0: The first reading today comes from the book of Ezekiel. It's chapter 34, verses 11 to 16. And you can find that on page 612 in your Bibles. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel." I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice.
1: Uh, The New Testament reading today is from Luke uh, chapter 18, verse 31 to... uh, Chapter 19, verse 10, and it's found on page 743 of the Black Bible. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them and they did not know what he was talking about. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him. And told him to be quiet But he shouted all the more Son of David, have mercy on me Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him When he came near, Jesus asked him What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied Jesus said to him, receive your sight Your faith has healed you Immediately he received his sight And followed Jesus, praising God When all the people saw it They also praised God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree uh, to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. And said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood, by, stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of all my possessions to the poor And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Uh, This is the word of the Lord.
2: Good morning, everyone. Please keep your Bibles open to Luke. That's what we'll be looking at this morning. And uh, let me begin by praying for us. Heavenly Father, thank you that you draw us to the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of your Spirit. And I pray now this morning that your Spirit would work powerfully within us to change us to be more and more like the Lord Jesus. Amen. Or dramatic personal transformations. How do you feel about them? Are you interested in a dramatic personal transformation? Do you want one for your own life? I think people have always loved stories of dramatic personal transformations, whether it's a novel about someone's journey from rags to riches or a movie, but I think the latest incarnation of this fascination is reality TV most reality TV revolves around some form of personal transformation. The more dramatic, the better, normally. Uh, The most obvious example that came to my mind as I was thinking about this was Extreme Makeover. Do you remember that show from a few years back? It was about cosmetic surgery. Quite obviously, a transformation. But even MasterChef, which is the kind of most popular show of late, it's not just a cooking contest, isn't it? It's all, been about, it's all been about the journey, a favorite word of these shows, the journey of the contestants. You know to exaggerate slightly, if you permit me, I'm sorry if you love the show and I'm exaggerating, but it's kind of like you came here and you're unsure of yourself, you cooked steak and three veg and banana split, and now you're cooking duck orange and seven layered chocolate cakes confidently, and you're a master chef. You've been transformed. and people became very attached to the contestants, Julie and Poe and so on. Transformation uh, and what really stuck in my mind actually was the biggest loser. see that show is not just about weight loss as well it 's about transformation and uh, it's almost it was almost like a religion wasn 't it because the trainers in that show they 're much more than just training them physically they 're life coaches to these people. they sit down that they probe into their emotions and their motivations, and at the end of the show, the contestants are revealed dramatically to their friends and family as a new person. And they, they speak of themselves in that way. Uh, well, you may not really like those shows at all, uh, but one of the reasons uh, they've become popular is because they do actually tap into something deep. that They tap into that desire we have to be transformed, to be a better person, to be a new person. And, and we do want to be transformed, Right? I mean, there's something seriously wrong with us if we, if we want to remain as we are. Well, today's passage in Luke gives us the stories of two men who were transformed by Jesus, transformed dramatically, but transformed very differently to the kind of transformations that our society would have us chase. New, exciting, wonderful new lives these men have, but their lives transformed by Jesus. And they're given for us not as a evening entertainment, they're given to us these stories as to, sorry, to teach us. To teach us about how Jesus wants to transform us and our lives. So let me begin by asking you: what do you expect from Jesus? What sort of transformation do you expect from Jesus? How do you want him? to transform your life. Well, let's start with Zacchaeus. Uh, we're told two things about Zacchaeus in Luke 19, verse 2. That he was a chief tax collector and that he was wealthy. And the two things are related. You see, as, as one writer explains, as a chief tax collector, you were at the top of the pyramid. You see, all the junior tax collectors under you, they took a cut a commission um, when they collected tax, and then you took a cut from their commissions. And so it's little wonder that Zacchaeus was wealthy, and it's little wonder that he was unpopular. Because at the time, the Jews hated tax collectors because they were collecting taxes for the Romans, the foreign power who was in charge and had taken over their land. They were regarded as basically extortionists. So that's Zacchaeus. But what does he say to Jesus after Jesus asks him to come down from the tree? He says to him in verse 8, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Four times. What an incredible way of paying back. I mean, the Old Testament laws that would seem to apply to him about compensating people you've wronged, state that you need to pay the person back the exact amount plus one-fifth of that amount. But he's chosen to pay back four times the amount, which was the harsh penalty dealt out to people that stole livestock. If you stole a sheep, you had to pay back four times the number of sheep. He's chosen the harsher penalty for himself, willingly, and he bends over backwards. He's bending over backwards to make restitution to those he's wronged. And on top of that, he wants to dedicate half his wealth to the poor. So it's a remarkable transformation. It's not cosmetic surgery, it's radical heart surgery, isn't it? He's, he's changed from being greedy to being generous. From being driven by how much can I get for myself to how much can I give. What has happened to him to bring about that change? What has happened to Zacchaeus? Well, first of all, Jesus powerfully transforms. You see, the blind man knew that Jesus powerfully transforms. You see, the blind man could see clearly who Jesus really was even before Jesus healed his physical sight. As you pick up the irony in that story, the blind man is the one who sees Jesus clearly. The crowd tells him it's just Jesus of Nazareth passing by. And it seems like not much has changed, isn't it? The way Jesus is regarded mostly in our society, you think Christmas, people think of Jesus, the cute baby in the manger that was born in Bethlehem, just Jesus. But what does a blind man say? He calls out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, that's a a royal title. He realises that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the promised King of Israel, Who comes with the very power of God. The very power of God to make this world right. To transform people. And they tell him to pipe down. But he keeps calling out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. He's desperate. He keeps calling out. Jesus stops. Jesus has him come near. The most important conversation in his life is coming up. What's he going to say? Well, something very simple... But very daring. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Jesus powerfully transforms. Your faith has healed you. In the original language, the word healed could also be translated saved. So how do we think of salvation? Often we can think of being saved as just having your sins forgiven. But Jesus does so much more than that, doesn't he? Jesus heals people. He heals spiritual blindness so that people can see the truth, so that they can know God as their father. Jesus heals our bodies. He heals physical blindness like this man. And he will liberate the bodies of Christians. When he returns, he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. And the miracles of Jesus, like he did to this man, they're foretastes of what's to come, of what's to come when Jesus returns. But Jesus begins to heal us in our hearts. He heals our hearts now, like Zacchaeus, whose life was turned inside out. It's a slow thing, it's a slow journey for a Christian being transformed but it is a dramatic one. The Apostle Paul as he thought about his suffering could say, outwardly we are wasting away but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So he was a man that knew the transformation of Jesus and looked forward to the day when Jesus would return to complete the transformation. Jesus heals us. You see, where do we find the power for such a transformation? Certainly not within ourselves. I mean, most of these reality TV transformations, the message is you have the power within yourself. You've got the power. It just needs to be unlocked. So the expert comes along and helps you unlock the power so you make yourself the better person that you want to be. But here it is, something radically different. Here is a blind man. He can't heal himself. All he can do is appeal to the mercy of the powerful king. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he did. See, Jesus has the power to change you. Let's stop stop for a moment and think, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that Jesus has the power to change us? I mean, you might... I don't know what you're feeling moment. You might feel like I'm, I'm so weak at the moment. Well, yes, we are weak. My, my problems are so big. Sometimes they are. I mean, certainly our enemies are big. Sin, death, the devil, they're all bigger than us. But Jesus is stronger. Jesus has defeated them. Look how he opened the eyes of the blind. Look how he turns Zacchaeus' life around. Jesus has the power to change you. You might feel stuck in a rut, beset by a certain sin. Don't despair. Change doesn't often happen overnight, but Jesus does change people. On the other hand, you might have grown complacent. We do sometimes. We do get comfortable with who we are and where we're at. Watch out. Jesus has the power to change you and he wants to change you. Jesus powerfully transforms but as well as powerfully transforming, Jesus also generously transforms. And this proved very controversial on that day. Because when the blind man was healed, the crowd joined in in praising God. But when Jesus met Zacchaeus, they complained. They complained. See, Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus as well. That's why he climbed up a tree. Quite unusual for a rich man to do that. Can you imagine Rupert Murdoch scampering up a tree to see someone? It just doesn't normally happen, does it? He's desperate to see Jesus, but Jesus seeks him out. And he says to him, I must stay at your house today. And people complain. They mutter. Uh, in verse 7, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates that. He says, Jesus, you're cozying up. Jesus, why are you cozying up with this crook? Why are you cozying up with this crook, Jesus? Because they knew staying at someone's house, well, that's a sign of fellowship. It's a sign of forgiveness, God's forgiveness for this man. And Zacchaeus doesn't dispute this. No, no, I'm I'm really a good person. I'm just misunderstood. The media's misrepresented me. Go and check the books. It's all legit. He doesn't dispute this. He knows he's a sinner. And so does Jesus. And that is precisely the point. Precisely the point. As Jesus explains. You see, these people have complained, have missed the point. They're spiritually blind. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. He's a son of Abraham because he's right with God like Abraham was. He's got Abraham's faith. He's God's friend, like Abraham was. Why is this? Why Zacchaeus? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. I mean, this is why Jesus predicted his death and kept going to Jerusalem. Why he was willing to be betrayed and spit and whipped and mocked and crucified. Because that was his mission, to seek and to save the lost. He says, I haven't come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. Did you notice a little word in verse 5? That's just so striking. He says to Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house. Must? Why must Jesus stay at Zacchaeus' house? Why pick the house of the biggest crook in town, Jesus? Why not find the really good people and stay with them? Because he is the good shepherd who has come to seek and to save the lost. And Zacchaeus knew this. He didn't have to make himself worthy of Jesus. He just had to welcome him, just had to receive him. It's the same for us. You want to enter God's kingdom? You don't have to make yourself worthy of God. You just have to humbly receive Jesus Christ. I read during the week the story of Lauren and Rod who became Christians on the same day, a couple, Lauren in the morning and Rod in the afternoon. And uh, Rod, Rod said this, he said, The big thing that I understood for the first time was that God wanted me to come just as I was. I always thought that I need to get to a certain level before God would accept me. I completely missed that Jesus had paid the price for my stupidity, paid the price for all the dumb things I'd done, paid the price for all the time I'd wasted. He wasn't saying, clean up your act and then come to me. Rather, Jesus was saying, come now. I'll clean you up. I'll change you. You see, Jesus generously transforms. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, but Jesus generously does it. Jesus generously transforms. But what does Jesus transform us into? You see, when the blind man was healed... He didn't just say, thank you, Jesus, and walk off. What does the story say? He followed Jesus, praising God. See, what the blind man did, that's a little picture of the whole Christian life. You follow Jesus, praising God. God's grace, when it comes into our life, doesn't leave us where we are. Certainly, it didn't leave Zacchaeus where he was. It changed him radically. See, we're transformed into joyful repentance. Joyful repentance. We turn back to God, and it's joyful. Martin Luther memorably described sin as being curved in on yourself. Curved in on yourself. That's what's gone wrong with the world. Humanity has curved in on itself. But Jesus transforms us, and he he curves us out, like God intends. He curves us out towards God, so we worship God, so we love God, so we trust God as our Father. And he curves us out to love our neighbours, to love them generously. And as he does that, God is changing us to be like himself. So that's what the Father wants. The Father wants to renew people into the image of Christ by the Spirit. And that's what's happening in the church. God is doing that. And it means we become more and more like Christ. We we take on his qualities, such as generosity. And that's what really comes to the surface with Zacchaeus, isn't it? He'd experienced Jesus' generosity, and now he's transformed to be generous to others. And so he joyfully repays those he's wrong, and he's joyfully generous to the poor. I mean, the way Zacchaeus repaid people, the way he seemed to overcompensate so much, it really challenged me about the way I apologise. Because so often I just go for the, the bare minimum apology. Just say sorry and leave it at that. And overlook how I can make restitution where that's appropriate and a generous restitution. I remember a friend of mine just told me, not deliberately, he was just telling me what he'd been doing. He was a doctor and uh, he, you know, he had a bad back and he'd been really short with a nurse at the hospital and uh, brought her to tears. Uh, he apologised afterwards, but then he thought, no, I need to do something more. So he you know, wrote her a card and brought her flowers. And I remember thinking at the time, you're going a bit too far, aren't you? But, no, this is exactly right. I mean, there's just lots of little things about that, that doctor's life that showed generosity, that showed his love for Jesus, his willingness to apologise generously. Sometimes a form of restitution is in order. Sometimes it's just a humble apology. A friend of mine was a lawyer. Um, he became a Christian sort of middle of his career, and uh, he was a very tough lawyer. He bruised a lot of people, and uh, after he became a Christian, he actually re- he rang up some of the people he'd hurt the most and apologised to them. And he said to me, some of them didn't ta- didn't think he was for real. They thought he was having them on. They couldn't believe that this arrogant man that they knew was now apologising so humbly. That he was a man transformed by Jesus. We, we joyfully repay and we joyfully are generous. Uh, a friend of mine lived in Vietnam and uh, because of his circumstances, you know, he had time to help people. Um, and he just, he just used his imagination so well. He didn't have great Vietnamese, he didn't have great skills to help people, he was disturbed by the poverty he saw and he realised one thing he could do was to teach kids English. Uh, so he went and he was doing that and, and one of the, uh, uh, the teachers said, why are you doing this? I've never seen a foreigner volunteer their time like this. And in the little Vietnamese he had, he said, well, I do it because I love Jesus. I love Jesus. So he wasn't trying to uh, make it up to God, he knew that God had forgiven him, but he knew that joy, that new life that Jesus had transformed him into, and so he tried to be generous. And one of the things I've really loved this year about being at church with you guys is hearing about people's generosity. So you know, at Church by the Bridge, it's the the year of living generously, and we've heard interviews about people and the different ways uh, they've lived generously, seeking to Give money and time and their energy to serve others. There's so many ways we can use our imagination to do this. It's so exciting and encouraging and and challenging for me to see the, the different ways people are generous to others because Jesus has been generous to them. So, what sort of transformation are we seeking? In our lives? What sort of people do we want to become? You see, only Jesus can really heal us. Only Jesus can make us the kind of people that God wants. So, are we welcoming Him joyfully? Are we welcoming Him to be the Lord of our house? Not just a, a helper that we talk to from time to time. He wants to be the Lord, it's a full time job, the Lord of our house to renovate us completely. You see, how much Jesus loves us to seek and to save people like us who are lost, who had wandered away. How much he loves us to enter our lives, to transform us. How much he loves us to transform us so powerfully and so generously. May we keep welcoming Jesus, living lives of joy and of generosity. Let's pray. Now, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the good shepherd who humbled himself to become one of us, humbled himself to suffer for us, that you might save us, that you might seek us out, that you might heal us to be new people in your image. Pray that we would keep welcoming you, living lives of joy and generosity. Amen.